This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. You know, as I think about all the disease that's out there in the world, uh, I promise I'll get this around to what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, you know, we've been, been a lot of people get this uh, coronavirus the last few years. And as bad as that uh, virus has been, you know, there's going to be people who, who may never get that. And as bad, if everybody in, that, that exists on earth today catches that virus, and then there were hundreds of millions, if not billions of people who lived before, who lived before that and will never catch that virus. You know, there's a lot of people who get the common stomach bug today, but it is not bad enough to where everybody gets it. You know, there's people who, they, they don't ever catch the common stomach bug. And the reason I think about that is because this morning I want to talk about sin, which is a disease, a, an issue, a, a virus, if you will, a, a disease, a problem, a plague, that there's not a person that will walk the earth that can escape it. And that's pretty incredible. We talk about how contagious some of these, some of these viruses are, and we talk about how Awful some of these plagues have been in, his, in the history of mankind. And none of them can touch sin. There, there's not a one of them that is in, as potent as sin. What I want to do this morning is I want to talk about the fundamentals of sin. It seems as though I went back and looked at our podcast. It had been quite some time since we really just dedicated a sermon uh, to sin all itself, and we talk about sin every week, most likely, and it seems like, but uh, this morning I want to devote an entire topic to the fundamentals of sin. Maybe you've been a Christian for 75 years, or, or 50 years, or 25 years, or, or 5 years, you've been a Christian for some time, I don't know, and, and you think, well, I know everything about sin, I, I've heard countless sermons about sin, I've studied and I, I know just about everything there is to know about sin. But I think what we talk about this morning will be a, a good reminder about what sin is and, and what sin does in our lives. There's a verse that comes to mind. A verse that, that we read oftentimes in Romans chapter 3 that says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And a lot of times a, a, a preacher will read this verse to highlight and say, well, everybody's committed sin. And, and I guess that's kind of the way I want to look at it this morning. But I want us to really understand that. That, that everyone has committed sin. There, there's not a person who's walked, who's of course reached a, an age in which they can commit sin, that, that hasn't committed a sin. And in a bad way, that's pretty incredible. Everyone. And you know, we, we look, I look at my, my lovely grandmothers here and, and they couldn't hurt a fly if, if they wanted to and, and they've committed sin. And my wife and I were expecting a baby and if, if God allows time to go on, that baby will grow up and be a sinner. And be a sinner. 
And I, and I want to just, just think about that for just a moment, that, that everyone has committed sin. It's not only that, but, but we all still deal with sin today. As much as we hate it and as much as we strive to be dead to sins, which we'll talk about later, sin is, is here to stay. It's been here since the beginning, and, and sin is here to stay. And sin is just something that we're going to have to deal with in our life. I want to look at four points this morning about the fundamentals or the basics of sin. And I want to ask the question, what is sin? I want to look at the results of sin. I want to talk about a couple facts. One being that sin is a battle that the Christian must face. And then the fact that every sin must be paid for. And like I said, you may be looking at some of these points going, well, I know what sin is. I know what the results of sin are. And I, I, I'm a kind of a presenter that I like to get up here and kind of have something that I think is going to be clever, you know. And it's going to be hard to do with a sermon like sin. And so what I want to do is just simply look at the basics. I'm not going to be able to, to find anything clever about sin. I'm not going to be able to teach you anything about sin this morning that you may have, that you probably haven't heard before. What I want to do is give us a reminder about the sin that, that's in our lives today. What is sin? I think before we really go and, and define what sin is uh, fully, I want to look at a verse where Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And Paul goes on to give us a laundry list of all these sins, and we're not going to go through and read those. You, you see them there. Certainly there are more sins than this. Uh, the point in, that I want to make with here in Galatians chapter 5 is the, the definition of that word lust is desire. Paul says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Sin is, is a desire that we have as, as human beings. It's something that's human nature. It's something that if we didn't have the Word of God and if we didn't uh, have any kind of teachings or, or laws in the world today, here's, here's a list of things that we would probably go out and do. Not necessarily all of them. Let me tell you, if it wasn't for God's word, if it wasn't for a law that, that's in our country today, we get mad at somebody, well, we're just going to kill them. We'll get rid of that problem. But we have teachings that say that, that we're not to do that, that we're not to hate. Sin is, is a desire of the flesh. And if you're here today and you have flesh, you've got these desires. And you will lust after or you will desire things in life. And the Bible tells us that, that we're going to face these things because of their nature. But because the, it's, it's just our nature as humans to face these temptations, to face these sins or these lusts or these desires. But I think if we want a definition of sin and we want to take it a step further, uh, we would see that uh, it says there in, in 1 John 3, Whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And he, he makes these things synonymous here. Sin is, is transgression, and transgression is sin. And so, we, you know, we look at these lists of sins, and there's certainly other, other uh, four or five verses long in, uh, passages in the Scriptures that I could have pulled up, and we could have read sin after sin. Um, but I don't think that envelops it quite like 
1 John chapter 3. You know, we look at these verses in 19 through 21 here in Galatians chapter 5, and we go, man, those are bad things. I would never do any of that stuff. That's awful. A good thing I don't commit any of those sins. But here we see that sin is just any transgression or any breaking of God's law. Oftentimes when, we, when we're studying with people and we're trying to teach them about the scripture and, and we do a study that we call the five-part study, whenever we start that study, we start it in the garden with Adam and Eve and we look at the commandments that God gave to Adam and Eve. And the one that we all know is where God told them that they are to not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. And we know that sin is the transgression of the breaking of God's law and God's word. And had Adam and Eve, and when they ate of that tree, that was sin. That was the moment at which they commit sin. But God also gave them a couple or one other dual commandment, and that was to dress and keep the garden. And we can see here, based off of what 1 John 3 says, that breaking that, had they not dressed or not kept or not taken care of the garden, that also would have been sin in the same way. Any breaking or any transgression of God's law is sin. But the way in which I want to define sin this morning and the way in which I really want us to think about sin this morning is that sin is debt. Sin is a debt that is owed. In Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus is, is, uh, is praying this prayer, teaching how to pray, Matthew records there, uh, Jesus speaking uh, towards the end of this prayer, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, Luke, Luke recorded this same thing in chapter 11, and, and what Luke seemed to be synonymous for Luke was sin and debt. Luke said, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. What I want us to understand is that sin is a debt. Sin is a debt, and we'll talk about this debt a little bit more later on in our study, but sin is a debt, and debt must be paid. That's the bottom line. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And we see that, that this is this debt that we owe. This is this debt that is owed for sin. Sin may be a breaking of God's law. Sin may be a laundry list of these sins. But sin is debt. And if you've ever transgressed God's law, then you're, you're at debt. And there's a debt to your soul. And as we read in Romans 3, everyone has this debt. If you've lived long enough... And, and no right from wrong. And the moment you commit a sin, your soul is at debt. And something is owed and that debt must be paid. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's witchcraft like we read in Galatians chapter 5. Or if it's wrath or if it's murder or if it's hatred. Or if it's fornication or drunkenness. And it doesn't matter if it's just not studying or if it's gossip. Any of these sins is debt. That must be paid. What is the results of sin? In the eighth chapter of John, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Not only is, 
Is it a sin when you transgress God's law? Not only is it debt that you owe when you transgress God's law, but it it makes you a servant. And the moment with which you today, uh, or you in, in the past when you were younger, the moment in which you commit your first sin, you became a slave to sin. You became a, a servant to that sin. And if we allow ourselves to live in sin, and if we make a practice of sin, then I think we see that, that we become a slave to that sin. And the, the most extreme examples that we can think of are, are very graphic. You think of someone who's maybe had some uh, addiction to, to drugs and to altering their mind, and we look at them and, and how they're a slave to that sin. And, and they have physical, you know, it changes their body physically when they take those drugs. And it looks awful when we look at those people and go, man, they look bad. But the fact is, that is our soul when we commit sin. That we become a slave to that sin. What this means being, when, well, what, what it means, what I think of when I think of being a servant of sin is that when sin says, come here, you go. When sin says, jump, you jump. When sin says, drink this, or watch that, or say this, or think that, you do it. Because you're a servant, you're a slave to that sin. And that's an awful, awful thing. You know, we're, we're trying to think of, of sin as a debt today. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, I didn't, bring this, I didn't put this verse on our, on our PowerPoint, but the borrower is slave to the lender to the one that they owe the debt to. And we, we, when we commit sin, we're a servant to that debt. Just as importantly as we reread a verse we just read a moment ago, for the wages of sin is death. When we talk about the results of sin, the results of this unpaid debt, and the results of letting this sin come to fruition is death. And I'm here to tell you that your, your grandmother, who couldn't hurt a fly, if she's got unpaid sin in her life, she's dead. Your children, if they have unpaid debts of sin in their life, spiritually, they are dead. And if you have unpaid debt in your life, if you have sin in your life that has gone unpaid for, you are dead. You are dead to God. And so this brings us to the point that sin is a battle. We don't want to commit sin. I certainly do not want to commit sin. And I hope that today, as we've briefly looked at some fundamentals of sin, and we've briefly looked at the results of what sin does to our soul and what sin is, that it's slavery, that it's death, that it's death, I hope that you are prepared to fight this battle. Because as as we looked at what sin is, we know that sin is desirable and we know that sin is human nature and that sin is something that we want. And sin wouldn't be a battle if it wasn't desirable. Sin wouldn't be a battle if we didn't want to commit it, would it? Or if we, if we didn't lust after it and desire to commit it. But the fact is that in your life today, there are things that are sinful in nature that you desire. And there are things in my life today that are sinful by nature that I desire. And that may be gossip. That may be uh, looking at some image. That may be drinking some drink. That may be pride. 
But we all have a desire in our own body to commit sin. And that makes sin dangerous. Be sober, be vigilant, Peter says, because your adversary the devil walk, uh, as a roaring lion, excuse me, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Sin's a battle where we have to be sober and we have to be vigilant. And you know, I, I started thinking of the obvious example and maybe somewhat silly, but if I told you today that there was a hitman out there, that there was an assassin, and, and he was after you, he wanted to kill you, and he was focused on you, and he was seeking where you were, and he's constantly looking for you, and he don't care how he kills you. He'll, he'll shoot you, he'll choke you, he'll strangle you, he'll poison you, he'll set a booby trap for you, and he's out there to kill you. A, a real man, he's coming to kill you. I tell you, there ain't a one of us that wouldn't go get in the corner of our house with a gun and just stand there waiting. We would be, we, right, one of us go out and start drinking, we'd want to be sober. Right, one of us would go to sleep. We'd want to be vigilant. Because we know there's a man out there that's looking for me. And he wants to kill me. And he's after me. And there ain't a one of us that'd go to work tomorrow morning without constantly looking over our shoulder. And watching our back. And being careful about where we went. About what we did. And sin's a battle in the same way. We got to wake up each and every day ready to fight that battle. Ready and knowing that there's an adversary out there that's ready to destroy your soul. That walks about and he seeks you. And he knows. He knows those desires that you have. And he's going to try to set booby traps. He's going to try to poison you. He's going to try to trick you and he's going to lie to you. And we need, to, we need to get ready for this battle on a daily basis because we cannot commit these sins. We cannot give in to this adversary. And the Bible tells us how, how to fight against this adversary. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. This is a battle. This is, this is something that you must resist. This is something that you must fight against, that you must be conscious about. And in Ephesians, we won't read all 10 or 12 verses there about the armor of God, but it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Let me tell you, the fact of the matter is that if we're not ready and we're not prepared for this battle, we will lose. If, if you don't wake up each and every day ready and prepared to face sin, you will fail. And if you don't put on this armor in which Ephesians chapter 6 talks about, you will fail. Ephesians tells us about a helmet, about a breastplate, about uh, being, your, your feet being shod, about a sword. And it tells us all about this armor. And without this armor, we are not able to stand in this battle. There ain't one of us who would go into battle today without some kind of armor, without some kind of defense. Let me tell you, sin, sin is that battle that we face as Christians. 
And we must prepare for this battle. I want to tell you, you can overcome sin. Sin at times in our life feels unovercomable. Sin at times in our life seems impossible to avoid. Sin at times in our life seems like it's prevalent at every turn, everywhere we go, and everywhere we look. And you may be in a place in life today where you feel like you cannot overcome sin. You may feel overwhelmed with sin. And I'm here to tell you today that you can overcome sin. Sin's awful. Sin, sin is a debt that we owe, and, and the payment for that debt is death. And it's human nature, and it's something that, that we're going to have in our lives, and it's something that we're going to have to prepare for battle. And I'm here to tell you, you can win that battle. And there's a, but there's a few things we must do. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Let me tell you, the, the goal for you today as a Christian, the goal that we should all have when it comes to dealing with sins is that we should be dead to sin. We, we must all be dead to sin. And what that means is we need to forsake it. We, we need to put it away. And what we'll talk about here in just a moment is we need to crucify that old man that commits sin. I'm telling you, that is the goal for you today as a Christian to be dead to this sin. But I think we, we get a lot of insight from just a few verses here in 1 John chapter 1. And we get a great deal of understanding about what this journey of our lives will look like with sin in it. And what this journey in our lives will look like as we deal with sin. And this kind of goes to the point that we first talked about. For all have sinned. We all have sin in our lives. As we start there in verse number 6, it says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. I think a lot of times as Christians, we, we think, well, and we, we look at a, a, a passage like those few verses and, and, and that laundry list of sins that we read in Galatians chapter 5, and we go, well... I just don't do any of that. I just, I just don't have a problem with that. And, and we look at those sins and, and we think that that's a problem that somebody else has. And, we, uh, and, and maybe specifically those, those few that are listed you don't. But to that point, it says that if, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. If we say that we have fellowship with the Lord and, and in any way we transgress his law, we're, we lie, we're lying to ourselves. We're just tricking and we're deceiving ourselves. And it doesn't matter in which way you transgress God's law. If, if you're living a pattern of that in your life, we're, we're lying to ourselves. He says in verse number 7, But if we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sins. He says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of, his, uh, blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth, cleanseth us from all sin. We can't walk in darkness. We can't make a pattern of living in sin. We can't make it a habit of committing those sins in our lives. That's what we're being taught here. And now he, he adds a little bit to that. If we say that we have no sin, 
We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Not only if we say we've never committed a sin, but if, if we, even us who are walking in the light, if we say that there is no sin in our lives, if we say that there is no temptation in our lives and no desire or lust in our lives to commit some of these sins, we're, we're deceiving ourselves even further. We have to realize that we need to be dead to sin. That we have to walk in the light. We can't walk in the darkness. But even so, sin is still a a desirable thing by the flesh. Sin is still something that is human nature that we continue to struggle and we continue to fight with. And and so what remedy is given for the Christian who is dead to sins and and still has sin that they, temptations that they fight? I tell you, there's not a person in here who's a faithful Christian who, who doesn't deal with temptation. There's not a person in here who doesn't commit sin from time to time. And so what does that Christian do? And that's highlighted in verse number 9. The remedy is given. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love every one of you to death and I hope you never commit another sin in your life but I know that you're probably gonna. I know that if, if you walk out of these doors and, and I give you 24 hours, you, you're probably gonna commit a sin. You're probably gonna think something you, th- you shouldn't think. You're probably gonna do something you shouldn't do. Say something you shouldn't say or not do something that you should have done. And it, it, this is the battle which we face as Christians. And the remedy to this is to recognize that the remedy to this is, is, this is after we're walking in the light that we have to be a confessing Christian. That we have to recognize those sins in our lives and he expects us to confess them. And God, is, if we confess those sins and we recognize those sins and we're repenting of those sins in our life, the Bible tells us that God is faithful. That God is going to look at us and be faithful and better yet, he's going to be just. And he's going to forgive sins that ought to be forgiven. And he'll cleanse us from unrighteousness. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we henceforth should not serve sin. If you you don't want to serve sin today, if you don't want to make your life a service to sin today, then you must crucify the old man. And I want you to make that decision right now in your life. You may be struggling with the sin as we speak and, and you may have been struggling with something all week and I want you, to, want you to know today you need to make that decision and make that resolve in your life and make a covenant with your own heart that you are going to crucify that old man and you're going to crucify and be dead to that sin. I'm telling you, that decision is going to be the first one that you make into overcoming this sin so that the body of sin might be destroyed. Let me tell you, if you're not a Christian here this morning, there's some things that you can do as well. And the the first of which is that you have to die to those sins as well. And we're told that we can do that by being buried with Christ in baptism. If If you want to die to sins, you must be buried with Christ in baptism. And we must go through that operation of God in which he removes our sins and covers us in the blood of Jesus in baptism. I think we see some similarities. That when we're 
as many of us have been, buried with Christ in baptism and we die to those sins, that it's a continual thing that we must strive to do in our life. That we must continue to crucify that old man and keep that old man out of our lives. We must continue to battle against that sin. As we get ready to bring our remarks to a close this morning, I want to go back to our, one of our first points and, and remembering that sin is debt and that sin must be paid for. And it, it doesn't matter how old you are or how many sins you've committed or what the sins you have committed in your life are up to this point, every one of those sins must be paid for. And the fact is, if you've committed one sin, it's debt. And it's a payment that has to be made. I briefly want to remind you that the wages of sin is death. And that's how this sin is paid for. Sin is is paid for in death. And we see a little glimpse at, at what this payment may be in Revelations chapter 20 and verse number 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And I say that because it's very simple this morning, and I want you to understand this. That every sin will be paid for, and it's either going to be paid for by Jesus, or it's going to be paid by you. And no one else can pay for those sins. It's going to be Jesus, or it's going to be you. And we see what the payment is Romans chapter 3 and verse number 25 says, Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Let me tell you, Jesus stands ready and willing today to pay for those sins that you have in your life. It was Jesus' whole mission. It was Jesus' entire purpose for coming and living a physical life was to pay for these sins. And he stands ready this morning to be that propitiation, to be that covering for our sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, For he hath made him, speaking of Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, why that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus stands ready to be made sin for us. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 46, to paraphrase that verse or to just uh, uh, phrase a, a small part of that verse, it talks about those who will pay for their own debt and will pay for their own sin. And Jesus tells them, go away into everlasting punishment. Jesus tells them in another parable, cast them into a furnace of fire. You can pay for your own sin and that's a very viable option. It is a very viable option. One way or the other, that sin must be paid for. And it's going to be either Jesus who becomes that propitiation. It's going to be either Jesus that becomes that cover for your sin today. Or it's going to be you that serves out that sentence and who pays that debt. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. We, We will all stand before God. We will all stand before God. Every one of us. And God will look at us and he will see the things 
that we've done. And he will recognize the, the things that we've done in our life. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen as we prepare to call for an invitation that on that day of judgment, when, when it's our turn to be judged, and when we stand there before God, that the Lord is either going to see one of two people there. He's either going to see you, or he's going to see Jesus, because you've been covered in Jesus' blood. And that's just the fact of the matter. On that day of judgment, when you stand before God, he will either look at you and he will see you holding all of your sin and carrying that, ready to pay that debt. Or he will see Jesus and he will see the blood that Jesus spilt on the cross. And he will see a man who's forgiven. He will see a person who's been covered and who's been made that, who has that propitiation through Jesus. He will see someone whose Jesus' blood has covered. I'm, I'm here to ask you, who will he see when you stand there before him? If time ends tomorrow, if you pass away tomorrow and you stand before God, who is God going to see there on judgment day? If there's a need that you have this morning, there, it, it's, very, it's a very real possibility that when God sees you, he sees you. And he sees your sin. And he will see that debt. And that debt will have to be paid for. And I, I plead with you not to go into eternity, not to go into judgment, carrying your own sin. But realize that, as we've talked about already, that, that Jesus stands ready to carry those sins. That Jesus has already done the hard part for us. He's already crucified himself on the cross. He's already allowed himself to die. He's already allowed his blood to be spilled. And he's ready for you to accept that blood. Whether it be in baptism, or maybe it's in, in a way that you need to confess and repent again to him. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard, or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com. Or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.